Father, we thank you for who you are and the goodness that you share with us. We ask that you would just come and have your way in this place and in our hearts this morning. Come and begin a new work. Create within us a new heart. Now, in Jesus' name, amen. So, welcome to Vintage. If this is your first time here, we're glad you're here. This morning's a little different than uh, a typical Sunday morning service. Um, the typical thing we do is you have a basket at the end of your row. If y'all would pass those down for any new people, there's a connect card in there. We'd love for you to fill that out and just leave it on your chair. And we also have a gift for you back in the back. The Messinas are back there, and they'll be happy to give you that little gift after the service. But the the standard ongoing thing that uh, that we're going to do this morning that is different than normal is this morning's more of a worship and prayer service. So 
Typically, right now, Randall would come up and, uh, and give announcements, but instead of giving announcements this morning, we're going to pray announcements. Okay? So there are three announcements that we have this morning. There are, we have a team of, uh, of high school and junior high kids that are on a mission trip in Honduras, uh, partnered with Stonebridge Church, and we're going to pray for them. Uh, we have an upcoming trip that we're trying to plan for the fall to Scotland. We're going to pray over that. And then in a couple of weeks, we have um, infusion beginning. And for any of those of you that are new, this is for you. This is a, a time where we get together at somebody's house on Sunday evenings for three weeks. And uh, we have a sign up for it on, at the table out in the lobby. But it's a place for you to come and kind of get to know who we are and hear the vision of who we are as a church and for us to get to know you over a meal together in somebody's home. So we'd love for you, if you're new or new to Vintage, to come be a part of Infusion with us. So those are the announcements. Now we're going to actually take time and, and pray into those things. So if you would, if you would bow your head with me. Father, we begin this morning and we lift up uh, this orphanage. Orphanage Emmanuel in central Honduras that, uh, that these students and adults are visiting this week. Lord, in 1989, you gave David and Lydia Martinez a vision to go and care for orphans in Honduras. And they left the states and sold all that they had. And the first year they found five orphans to care for. And Lord, we're in awe and we praise you of the work that you've done. They have now have some 900 acres of land and a, a farm to produce food and 500 orphans that they care for. Lord, you are not a God who is dead and has forgotten about your people. Your word teaches us, Psalm 10, you are the helper to the fatherless. John 14, you say, you will not leave us as orphans, but instead you give us your spirit. We want to thank you for the work that you have begun. And praise you for the, the things that have yet to take place, Lord. You've built a, a church and, and housing for these kids and for staff, a school, a farm, and so much more. But, Lord, there is so much... Your heart is so much bigger than even what they're, they're witnessing, our team is witnessing this, this week, that you have a heart for the fatherless and for orphans and for widows. So, Lord, we want to celebrate that and we want to thank you for your heart and we want to ask that you would open up our hearts and our minds to join your heart in what it is passionate over. So would you open up the hearts and minds of those on the trip this week, not just to have compassion on the orphans, but to... To be able to connect with your heart and grow in a knowledge of who you are. That they would come back and never be the same again. Because they've not just encountered what your heart is for, they've encountered your heart. And it changes us when we experience the reality of who you are. So we ask this blessing over them, Lord. Ruin them to ever, ever be able to be ordinary again. No more ordinary Christians. Just people that are on fire because they've witnessed and encountered a God who is passionate for his people. Father, we pray for this upcoming trip this fall to, to Scotland. So many of us in America have roots and connections back to that homeland 
And Lord, at one point you had done a great work to to build your church and to foster a church in Scotland that somewhere along the, the, line, the way somehow turned religious and has grown mostly cold and the nation has turned to its old way. But Lord, you have not forgotten. We ask right now that you would stir the hearts of your faithful people that are in Scotland. That you would begin a movement and a a movement of restoration for your glory in that land. That you would raise up your bride again. To be far more than it ever was before. But let it be a movement that is truly after your heart. That reflects the, the... the relationship that you had with your son, that, that people are being drawn in as disciples to become like you and to be to live like you and to live a life of obedience, to lay down themselves in service of, to one another for your glory. Lord, we pray for the people in this congregation that you may be stirring and calling. We ask that you make clear, set aside the reservations that they may have about money or dates, but Lord, make clear the calling that you're leading them to, to be a part of this team and do a work within their hearts. If, if this trip is to take place, send them back ruined to ever be ordinary again. We thank you, Lord, that throughout scripture, you repeat over and over and over again, your heart is for the nations. For all of your creation waits and groans with anticipation. Let us join you in your heart for the nations. Open up our hearts to this reality of who you are. And finally, Lord, we lay before you this, uh, this opportunity of infusion where we come together for three weeks to be, to connect with new people here. And to model the Acts 2.42 church, just as our name represents, this Acts 2 church that gathered together in, in homes and broke bread and shared what they had in common. Lord, as we welcome people into community and we lay out the vision of what you've called us to, we ask for your blessings. We ask that you would uh, stir people within this community to come be a part of what you're doing. Not for selfish reasons, Lord, but because you are good. And you are not done with the work that you want to do in people's lives. So we ask for your blessings over both the places that we meet, those homes, the blessings over the people that gather together. And Lord, just as we just as we saw a witness of in Doug Judson's testimony last week, that a year ago he went through infusion and sat down with a pastor who he's, he recognized this is an ordinary guy like me and something was sparked toward a transformation in his life that he gave his life to you in the fall and he got baptized last week. And we ask just for an abundance of that to be a true reality that is happening in this place. We're not looking to brag. We're looking to glorify you. Your word teaches us that let the world see the love that you have for one another and it will testify that you are my disciples and it is to your to my father's glory that you say in john 15 that you bear much fruit so father we ask not selfishly but we ask that the father would be glorified because 
Fruit is being produced through your people simply because we are falling in love with who you are and we share a love and affection for one another. And the world looks at it and says they must be his disciples. So come and do that work among us, Lord. We know it is your will. We know it is your heart. So, Lord, just as you taught your people to pray, let that the let the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. We ask this in your name. And we pray. Amen. A little different announcement than normal, right? So if we're, you know, whatever we're giving ourselves to, you know, sometimes our, our, our prayers can get really dry. And we can kind of move through our, our prayer life like a checklist and kind of throwing up little offerings to God and little requests to God. And, and so this morning in kind of this challenge is just to model or invite you to look at things a little different, just as we're looking at announcements a little different. You can look at anything that you're doing in your life differently through prayer and recognizing the thing that God is calling you to pray toward and then building a case around that thing. Just in a simple way, I took five minutes this morning and grabbed a couple scriptures that are reflecting back to God the heart that he has said he has, that he is a, uh, as Psalm 10, you are a helper to the fatherless. This is who he says his heart is, and we're just reminding him. We're building our case before him. This is your heart, and this is what you want to do, and we want to join you in being, having a heart for the fatherless. So as you pray, build a case before the Lord of who he says he is and offer that to him. Number one, know what you're praying into specifically. Number two, build your case before the Lord that in his agreement with with his heart. And number three, let your heart get caught passionately into the things that you're praying for. And number four, don't rush out of it. Linger there and see what the Lord wants to do in this thing that is on your prayer list. And I promise you, you will find yourself refreshed and rekindling a life of prayer unlike we have when we just have prayer as a habit. So there's an invitation and a challenge for you this morning. Moving on into kind of what is next for us this morning, I'm going to just share a few personal thoughts with you. The, about six or seven weeks ago, Steve asked me to, um, to do the Good Friday service. A few of you were probably here for that. And, um, and I was like, sure, you know, would love to feel honored to do that. And, and I started looking into the, you know, what I might, what direction we might take for Good Friday, kind of the first week of that. And the Lord gave me some direction and, and it just grew to be this burden over the next six weeks. And, and let me explain that burden was not a burden because of a, a resistance to desire to do the service. It was a burden over what the service was to be about. He gave me this picture of, you know, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane with, and, and, and crying out to his father, you know, take this cup. And as I, I'm a father of two boys, and as I, I started to, to realize and grow into this reality of what the father must have felt, to send his son into the world knowing that he would have to attend his funeral. And if you're a parent, raise your hand. I ask you to own that for a moment. Own the weight of what it may be like to willfully 
give of your child for someone else out of love. And so the weight of that just was heavy on me for six weeks. And it just kind of wrecked me, as it should every one of us. Because where we don't see the tragedy of this son whose heart is so affectionate for his father that he would do whatever the father asked, that he lived in complete, constant obedience to his father, not because his father was an authority figure, but because his, his affections for his father ran so deep. You see, I just got through this week wrapping up a, a spiritual parenting class. And one of the weeks that we, what we talked about was this reality that we have to transition at some point in our relationship with our kids from being a parent who is authority figure that is trying to keep this little toddler alive by not running out in the street, right? And you're just no, yes, yes, no, and you're constantly saying no, teaching them boundaries. And you need to be able to have, excuse me, this, this voice of authority in this kid's life to keep them alive. And at some point you have to begin transitioning and having our children be able to respond to the commands or the instructions that we give them, not from the voice because we are an authority, but because of the affection that they have in the relationship with us. And for too many stories, too many histories could be told of these loving children who as toddlers would were passionate about climbing up in the lap of their mother and their father and hugging them around the neck and just wanting to be held into adolescence who couldn't stand to be in the same room, much less show affection for their parents. As they grew up, they tend to grow apart. And I hope that you can own with me this morning that the father had no such intentions for us with him. That as we grow up in our spiritual lives, we should, our affections for him should not be growing apart. It is a tragedy that we as Christians, specifically in the West, grow into spiritual adolescence. When he invites us to be like little children, not just in faith, but I believe also in affection. I believe that Jesus modeled that, that Jesus did not was not just affectionate for his father when he was a toddler. His affection grew deeper and deeper and deeper as he spent time with his father to the point that he stood in this garden and said, if there's anything that you could do, would you take this cup from me? But his affection was so deep, understanding what this cup of wrath represented, this poison that he was to drink on behalf of mankind. But he said, not my will, yours be done. That is a deep affection. He did not state that out of a response to authority. He stated that out of a response to an affectionate father. That he was willing to die in order to show his affection toward. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. It's not about responding to authority. It's about being led with affection of love. And where we have failed to move our hearts to a growing 
level of deeper and deeper affection, we fail to live as Christ. We fail to move forward in the Christian faith. And too many times we find ourselves distracted and dissuaded away from what should be and was our first love. We find ourselves like the church in Ephesus. The Lord said in Revelation, this one thing I hold against you, that you've lost your first love. And so this morning is a worship service and a time to pray. And it's a challenge to your heart. Where would you grade yourself? Grade yourself on, on your, your heart being affectionate and showing affection for the Father who so loved you that he gave his only son. How is it that so many times that through the adolescence there seems to be a growing apart through college and then at some point maybe you call and check in with your parents on a weekly basis when God has so much more. You see, God's invitation to us this morning is to return to our first love. I truly believe, and most of us are probably less affectionate or feel less affection throughout a week toward our fathers we did the week of our salvation. Tragedy. It's tragic. That is not what Jesus reflects. It's how the church in Scotland grew cold. And we come to the Lord this morning and say, not so with us. As David said, won't you create in me a new heart? And anything within you this morning that can't move to that place of saying, create in me within, within me a new heart that I can know and grow in my love and affection for you, then it needs to be asked to leave. Because there is only one source of life, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he wants to do a work in your heart and in my heart this morning. And anything within you that says, I'm okay, or my grade spiritually is good enough, that's straight out of the pit of hell. It's the lie to steal, kill, and destroy what Jesus wants for you as you bring your heart back to him. This is not about emotionalism. This is about reality. Because reality is the Father's heart is passionately burning for you. And if your heart could see the passion and the love that he has for you, it will be warmed and take steps to be transformed. So my invitation to you now, as Harvest and Jeff lead us in a time of worship, is to grab your heart by the reins and steer it toward this cross. You're welcome to stand. You're welcome to kneel. You're welcome to do whatever you need to do to personally come before the Lord. The front of the stage is opened as an altar. My invitation is will you come and love again? Awaken my soul.
Earlier this morning, the Lord gave me a picture of um, of a fire. Just as it grows, starts to grow dim. And many of us had this great spark that happened when Christ came into our life, and He sowed His Spirit within us as a deposit. The Spirit that can cry out and claim God as Father, that we are sons and daughters and co-heirs in the kingdom. And the spark that was started that became a quick little campfire just started to to dim and now is glowing embers. And we feel comfortable that we can get our hands down now close to those embers and warm them up. But that tragic moment is the reality that they've grown down to be embers or that we could even get close to where it was before because the Lord's intention in that spark that he started was for this to grow into becoming a bonfire, not a campfire. And his his heart and his desire is that 
our fire grows within us that it is no longer just for us to come and warm our hands by, but it is so large that anyone that comes within view is immediately warmed and strained by this feel that they have. That this bonfire is so large that it comes and draws people who are cold to a place of warmth, and it's so hot that they can't get too near, but they want some for themselves. It becomes a communal thing that can be shared, not just an individual thing to be warmed. And in my opinion, that means there's a place for repentance, a changing from who we have been into who we are called to be, that the Lord wants to bring as an offering to you and I this morning. Saying, do you want more than what you have known? Then come and cry out with your heart as my servant did come and create this new heart in me.
the book of Luke in the seventh chapter, we see Jesus being invited into the home of a Pharisee for dinner. And he tells a parable. He asks a question. He tells a story about a two, two persons who were in debt. One with a small debt and one with an unpayable large debt. And then asks one, one of the disciples, as the landowner forgave the debt of these two debtors, which of the debtors do you think was more grateful? And the disciple said, the one who had the larger debt. Said, you'd be wise in your answer. And then he turned to the owner of the house and said, This woman who is at my feet and has not stopped kissing my feet since I walked in the door, who was a sinner and has recognized the, the gravity of the sin in which she is now forgiven of, has been moved to this affection that she can't stop kissing my feet. And yet you didn't even offer me water to wash my hands with when I came in. There's this reality in this story that Jesus is inviting us to remember the sin and the, the desperate place that we were in apart from him. Apart from the relationship that he created us for. That we should be able to look at that sin and recognize this great debt we have been forgiven of. And it move and stir the affections within us of this awe in who he is and how he loves. That reciprocally places a love and a response within us that reduces and humbles itself to not care what other people think. But in response to this great debt and this love that I now have for the mercy in which has been shown me, I will do anything to display my affection back to the one who forgave. Every one of us. Not to look back at our sin to feel the shame, but to look back at the sin and just as it's referred to in 2 Peter chapter 1, where it said, unless you're able to, you are nearsighted and blind, forgetting the sin that you have been set free from. As though we should never forget the sin we have set free, been set free from. Not that we bear the condemnation of that sin, but that we recognize the cost that was paid for us to be set free from that sin. And so many times I find in my life, and I think you can probably agree, we go on distracted by so many affections in the world. I googled or YouTube affection. And of the first 30 things that came up, 25 of them were about pets. There's a part of me that says that's tragic. That Christians around the world haven't flooded YouTube with cries of affection and worship toward our Father who has forgiven our sins. So I invite you all to take communion this morning. And as you take the, the cracker and dip it into the juice... Be mindful. Do not forget the sin that you have been set free from. And as you take of his body and of the juice that represents his blood, do so with joy. Because without recognizing the debt, we can't recognize 
the joy and the life that he has truly called us into. He has set us free that we can be free indeed, but to live a life, as he said, in abundance. So come this morning, take his body, drink of his blood, and do so in great remembrance of all that has been paid on your behalf.
Thank you all for coming this morning. Jeff and Harvest are going to continue to play. And if you'd like to stay and continue to worship, they will continue to play for several minutes. But as you go this morning, know this, that the Lord has invited this morning as just a piece of kindling on the fire that he started within you. And you can walk out that door and things be different. But it's up to you of whether or not you come to continue to stir this fire. But the Lord's heart passionately burns for you. You see, in this age, joy is a bit of a a paradox. 
that from recognizing the depth and the darkness that we have been delivered from, can we taste the goodness of the cup of joy? So please, let your heart be stirred and walk through the doors with the plan to drink of his joy and to continue to stir this fire that he wants to renew in your heart and in your mind. Have a great week.